My name's Isaiah Whitlock Jr., better known as Clay Davis, and you're listening to The Wire Script. She I think that was about 20 seconds. So you'll probably be the only one who will have one of those. Hey guys, this is Kobe. And this is Dave. And you're listening to The Wire Stripped, where we rewatch every episode of HBO's The Wire. And we also talk to some of the cast, some of the crew, and some famous voices who are big fans of The Wire. And we also will be hearing a little bit from you guys later on in the episode. Absolutely. And this episode, we're going to be talking about season one, episode 12, Cleaning Up. Yes, we watched that episode and me and Kobe met up in London, as always, and we had a long old ramble about it. And here is that ramble. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus... Gonna save your soul. Just gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He got the fire and the fury. Hey everyone, I'm here with Dave. We're in the pits again, looking in, in low rises, checking out the scene, looking at the at the hand to hands going off. We're sitting on our orange couch. Yeah. It's quite comfortable, this couch, actually. It is, despite <laughs> the fact that it has no cushions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, and just to be clear, we are sitting on the back of the couch. Yeah, yeah, of course. As is custom in the pits. You don't yeah. sit on it where the cushions would be. You sit, no, no, no. No, that'd be, that'd be uncool. That's very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would mark us out as, like, narcos or just people <laughs> yeah. not from the streets. Yeah, that's how they catch the police. <laughs> they sit on the actual couch. Um, this episode is episode 12 we're talking about here. Uh, called cleaning up, and we're talking here. This is a lot of shit goes down in this episode. This is a this is a tough episode. I think this is my favorite really? episode of The Wire. Really? Yeah. Of this season? Well, or of ever. this season, I can't sure. really remember the other one. <laughs> um, I just thought this was an amazing episode. Well, let's uh, go through the storylines and see which kind of what kind of jostles you. Um, the first thing, I'll, the first storyline I want to bring up is how the guys in the streets and the gang kind of reel from from the main stash been taken down and um, we've seen previously where Stringer's got gotten wise to something going down some kind of wiretap going off so they pull their phones offline and they kind of batten down hatches a bit but when their main stash gets taken down the first thing we kind of see is the guys in the pits they don't understand why there's no re-up going on they don't understand why there's no there's no dope to sell and uh, Stringer comes on and says right get rid of all these phones get rid of we're not going to use these phones anymore we're not going to use these pages you're going to have these two phones Defcon 3 exactly exactly two phones you need to remember the phone numbers eat this piece of paper and you know spit it out kind of thing because we need to we really need to ban down the hatches and then they start compiling a list of people that it can they can kill basically who's not who could be flipped scary isn't it absolutely yeah because uh, you could so easily be on that list yeah and of course one of the people on that list is Wallace. With Wallace. And this is... Before we started watching this again, Dave, I think this is one of the scenes that's hard, it's hard for me to 
when I remembered it, I was like, this is going to be a tough watch again. Because I just could not believe it's happening. What up, man? Same old, same old. What's up with that boy? Oh, man. He just a punk, that's all. D put him back on the count, though. A word? I heard he was out the game. Was, but he back now. Where he been at? Down his granny house, he said. It's <laughs> granny, huh? I heard he damn near shit his pants when he saw what happened to Omar's bitch. He just ain't built for this, huh? Heart pump Kool-Aid. Right. What about you? You built for this shit? No doubt. You ready to put the work in? You got heat? I thought that that conversation was really interesting in because the car, they yeah. don't Stringer never because he's so careful he mm. never explicitly says what he wants him to do. Yeah, it's just implied. Yeah, uh, with a little hand gesture down by his crotch where the gun would be, yeah. and he's like, he calls him a soldier, and he says, "Are you ready to step up?" Yeah. and you know, Wallace is trouble, and it's all sort of, yeah, it's just uh, it's Im implications of of his intent and. It's interesting because you feel like there'd be room for error there. Like, what if Bodhi's just completely <laughs> misunderstood him uh, and he's just gone off and murdered somebody? Like, that's what I'd be worried about. Yeah, like, yeah. in my job, I'm like, just tell me what you want. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're kind of worried that Bodhi go away, he kills Wallace, and then Strings like, dude. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? I was just checking, like, if you were good and wanted a promotion. <laughs> Bodhi's character arc is... Amazing. Here we have Andrew Johnstone, who is a podcaster and academic from the great state of Maryland. I mean, in season one, of course, it's a, it's it's a little bit shorter because here we've got, you know, just your average drug dealer. There's nothing that special about Bodie. He shows a little flash. He wants to make money. He's quirking his way up the ranks. There's nothing about his character for the first ten episodes of season one that should be all that impressive. Uh, and then he's given the task to kill Wallace. And there's this great, like, him and Poot, they can't, you know. And Poot, by the way, is the funniest character. Because <laughs> he's all, all he cares about is pussy. It's just like, uh, he has the best nickname, too, because uh, it's so obvious what it's a reference to. Uh, and I think they do. They even say that he's called Poot because he's always after the pussy. Uh, I mean, that's that's why he's called Poot because he's always after the pussy. Uh, and um, there's a like an argument between the two of them of like Poot's like, nah, just let Wallace go. Like we can't do this. And Bodie's like, mm, we got to do it. Like we got orders. Like if we don't do this, it comes back on us. The build up to that, you know, with with the wire, I I think a lot of us never knew when we were getting killed off. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Trey Chaney. Y'all know me as Poop from the HBO series The Wire. And right now, you are listening to The Wire Stripped. A lot of people never knew. We would just get the script, and there it is. You know, you, you'll you see the scene where you, you know, where, where somebody was getting killed. So the buildup to it, I guess once we got the script, it was sort of like a shock. And, um, you know, with all of us establishing a brotherhood and a friendship, we were already like family because we had worked together so many months together on that show. So when we got the script that we had to kill Wallace, 
it was it was it was very heartbreaking and um it, it really made us just you know try to lock into having to do something like this which made it real you know um i remember you know those tears that, that were bubbling up in my eyes those were real tears i think this scene is so tragic yeah. for everybody involved it's just very very sad and the scene before it with um Bodie and Poot and Wallace having their, having his yeah, last meal. Yeah, the last supper. Yeah. Remember my mom used to bring me in here? Used to go to this place called Fruit Fantasy. Like orange soda, some shit like that? Nah, this shit was fresh. My mom used to put mad Bacardi in her though. It wasn't much she didn't pour it into. You man saying talking about your mom like you still a kid. Well, I got the thinking on it. Your ass ain't got to be hard all the goddamn time either. Soft link, break the chain. What are you? A boy or a man? I'm a man. Last lunch that we had, man, when we were eating, and, and the characters Bodie and Poop, they knew what was getting ready to happen. The only person that didn't know what was getting ready to happen was Wallace. I mean, just think, it, it shows it shows how life is. You know, it showed how life can be. One minute you're here, the next minute... Like you, you don't, you never know when it, when, when it's your time to, to go. You know what I'm saying? And and it was, I mean, and especially to go like that. You know, I mean, to to be killed, like it, it makes you, you know, look at your friends or family a little different too, because you're like, we we were tight. You know what I'm saying? And somebody like Stringer Bell, he ordered the hit, and when he ordered the hit, that was it. It's just so sad. Yeah. And even you know, Poot doesn't want to do it. No. Bodie is sort of the the alpha male, but he he doesn't really want to do it either. You can tell. Well, he's the one forcing it, and he, I think he realizes that if he, if he doesn't if it doesn't happen, then he's going to get got as well. Or yeah. you know, that's part of this part of playing the game. Um, so he seems more up for it, but ultimately, it's not something that he wants to do. No, and he hesitates. Yeah. And you can you can tell. And well, he's facing a child, yeah. basically, you know. And that's why it's interesting because Bodhi keeps trying to tell him to stand up straight, be a man. Because mm -hmm. I think it's making it will make it easier for Bodhi. Yeah. Hey man, you. You're a weak ass nigga, man. You, you should have stayed down in the country, man. Yo, you my I'm a nigga, yo. You fucking brought this on yourself, man. We boys. You brought this on yourself. Ain't gotta be like this, yo. We niggas, man, BC, remember that? Come on. Wet in your fucking pants like you a little boy. Be a man. Stand up like a motherfucking man. My niggas, yo. Man, you said you was a fucking man. Stand up straight. That's us, man. There are some scenes of violence in this in this in this season, namely mainly with like um, Omar. But this is one of the you know. Most of the, of the deaths have been off screen. We don't see Little Man get capped. We don't see Brandon get capped. True. Uh, we don't see Kima getting shot. We hear it. Uh, this is one where we actually see the shots getting fired and uh, the aftermath, direct aftermath, aftermath of it. And Bodie takes one shot and then Poot takes off him, takes two more shots, and that's it. You know, Wallace, Wallace is a goner. Do it, goddammit, if you're going to... Bodie pulls the trigger... But not, but it's Poot that that throws the killing shot. He's the one that actually takes Wallace out. 
that's a crazy moment for those two characters. And you never see it pay off in Poot. That's just interesting about Poot. His character doesn't change. He wants to get the money so he can get the girls, so he can get more money so he can get the girls, and that's it. But Bodhi is fundamentally changed. He has gone from average street drug dealer to he is now initiated in the game because of Wallace. We were all really emotional. Everybody was upset. Everybody was shedding tears. It was one of those moments in history on a television show. This was before you all even seen it. You know, so I, we could imagine what the world did when they actually seen that scene. But yeah, it was a very emotional day. It was a very emotional time because then you also have to look at it too. Someone is, you know, like losing a job. You know, I mean, being an actor in this business, when you get killed off a show, you're, you're back to square one, you know, if, if it's nothing else lined up. So you're back to square one and you're back to looking for a job, you know. So we just really had to just look at it that way as well. Like, damn, you know, this man is this man is this man has to search for another gig. But looking at him now, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a superstar. You know, he's incredible. As Wallace's death is one of the most memorable and moving scenes from the first season of The Wire, most of our guests wanted to talk about it. Right now, you're going to hear from a couple of them. Jonathan Abrams is the author of All the Pieces Matter, the inside story of The Wire, the book. But first up, we have Damon Gordon, who was a production assistant on the show. So Michael was really, uh, Michael was about 15, 16 at the time. Um, and Michael would come, oh, Michael and I bonded um, there was a guy that would, um, you know, kind of take him under his wing and 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 take him around Baltimore, um, and he would stop over at the house from time to time. And you know, um, um, I would, you know, like make island meals for him, and like you know, the woman that I was dating at the time, like you know, she was Islander, and so we, you know, she would cook for him, and and so we we would all hang out, and he was always talking about wanting to make it and wanting to be successful and wanting to make it in this industry. But Michael B knew that he, he had a feeling that he was going to be killed. And I, and I would always try to talk him out of it. Like, no, I don't think so. I think they just want to delve into your character a little bit more. He's like, no, Damon, I think I'm going to die this season. And, you know, of course he was sad about it. I mean, you know, this is his first big role. Um, I think he had done a movie with Keanu Reeves before, but this was one where he had significant lines. And again, that's that's a really hard thing when someone dies because not only does that character die and that character is so meaningful to, to us as a crew, but you don't get to see that person anymore, you know, in that, in that capacity. That death was, that death in that moment was important in a number of ways. Um, it was the first episode that George Pelicanos wrote for the show. And George would become like another right-hand man for David Simon uh, throughout the, the show's course. Um, George was a novelist that, that David had met and David had appreciated George's books. And he felt that George wrote deaths with carefulness and with humanity. So he gave him the Wallace scene. And it's also interesting because the Wallace scene set up a type of dynamic between Bodie, J.D. Williams' character, and Wallace in that 
uh, Bodhi hesitates, where for the whole season, you had seen Bodhi kind of set up as almost like a, a psychopath, like a, a reckless type of guy who wouldn't hesitate to kill anybody at a whim's notice. So, so George and David and Ed Burns, the show's other creator, argued about Bodhi hesitating in this moment. Ed Burns said that we had set this guy up this whole season for him not to hesitate. And George argued for him to hesitate. And David ended up siding with George in this argument. And I know we're only on season one, but you see down the road how that moment in particular sets up uh, moments where Bodhi is seen more as a person than just this a reckless drug, sling, drug slinger who is just immoral and doesn't have a thought or a care. I mean, we see how he has developed into a full character by the end of his character's arc. It's brutal. It's absolutely, it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible but scene. But the, the build-up to this was masterfully done as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, pooed at the bottom of the stairs yeah. and broke Bodhi at the top of the stairs. It's very interestingly shot. And just he sort of slowly beckons him. You know, it's literally, the, you can see the physical distance between them and their intent and... It's just heartbreaking. And Wallace just breaks down and he doesn't deserve this. And no. it's so tragic because he walks right back into that life and D'Angelo tries to, to warn him away. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he doesn't try hard enough, I guess. And that, that's on him as well. So it's just, it's just a very, very bleak and sad part of the game. Yeah. I feel sad for Michael B. Jordan because that was obviously the last his, his last big role. This is Luke Moore from Radio Stakhanov and the Football Ramble podcast. No, um, I, I think that is up there with one of the saddest and most regrettable TV moments that I can think of, really, because Wallace is this kid clearly with a lot to offer. I mean, we see him looking after his young brothers and sisters, his family. Um, he's clearly a, a sort of prototype D'Angelo Barksdale, really, isn't he? he he's he's he, he deserves better. I think I think we can all agree on that. And the end that he comes to at the hands of um, of Poot and is it Bodie as well is it's just it's just really really sad. Like it, it, because it's a combination of a complete waste of a human being's life, which we see a lot in the wire, but also he's killed in such a way that clearly Poot and Bodie want to impress people. They want to show that they are made for the game and that they can do this thing. And, and I, I love Bodhi as a character. He's a real soldier. I mean, he's there till the bitter end, still doing his thing. No one, nothing phases him. I, I really, I really warm to Bodhi because he does his job and he does it well. But in trying to impress the, 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 the sort of um, the superiors, they are so callous with, with Wallace's life because they can't see that he is a sensitive kid who's got a lot more to offer. And they don't, it's not a language they really speak. And so he just gets miscast as this pathetic you know not up for it um weak individual it's just very sad very, very hard to think of a more visceral moment in the whole series uh the whole show in its in, in, in its in its totality than that i would say the second kind of story is um well the second kind of story i want to talk about is the police being kind of aware that they, they know the streets are aware that things are going down all the wiretaps have gone down there's nothing going through the through the through the computers so they're having to change up the game again the cleaning house the cleaning house and one thing they do you know they start sending people to well prez to follow a bit more of a paper trail it goes to annapolis to start checking up on the politicians and they decide to up the game and put a wiretap well they put a bug inside orlando's yeah an actual camera an actual camera 
Um, and this is really cool where they get Chardine, Chardine involved to help kind of set up the set up the parameters for the bug yeah. and parameters for everything. Um, and <laughs> can I bring up something that bothered me? Absolutely. Uh, why was Freeman putting in the contacts for Chardine? Yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> so yeah, because Chardine is blind as a bat, <laughs> and <laughs> so she needs to wear contacts. But that's that's got to be the worst why time. Why is he doing it? I, don't know. I wouldn't want like I've I've worn contacts uh, before. And it, I would never let someone else put their <laughs> fingers in my eye. Or was he just putting the drops in? Either way, get away from my eyes, yeah. dude. Uh, I don't care how much you're trying to hit on me, Freeman. Um, that's what I would have said. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole, their whole relationship, there's something really kind of creepy about it. it. Is, and yeah. it's not the age gap, just to be clear. I just think it's like he kind of treats her, like he keeps calling her like um, honey and darling and... But he he he's, he acts more like a father figure to her, and that's what's weird about the whole thing. Sure, and then gets to bed with her. Um, but Charlene loves it, and fair to her, she's she's a civilian. That's why they that's why Kim and, and Freeman chose her. She is a civilian. She's a a quote unquote innocent bystander in the game, and is endearing to Freeman, who's obviously a lonely chap and um, sees you know. A diamond in the rough. In <laughs> I don't like what you just did with I your hands that's there. That's a bit of a gesticulation. <laughs> he sees a diamond in the rough in Chardine, and she's Chardine is really cool. Actually, I do have a lot of time with Chardine. Yeah, she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't blame him. I don't blame Freeman. And the bug Orlando's, and this is where they see the bug, and they catch Barksdale talking to D'Angelo, saying, "You need to go and get more drugs. Here's how you're going to get the drugs." I wish the dialogue had been that. Yeah. <laughs> we need to run up to NYC to pick up a little something. Look, I know we tapped and all. Shit, everybody's waiting on the rear, but uh, I never made that run before. Listen, right now, man, I feel like I don't have that many people around me I could really trust. Not like I can Ken. You follow me? All right. Well, how much is it? We just need to maintain. But I enough so we can keep holding them towers. When? Tonight. Yeah, so big mistake here, really. Yeah. By, by Barksdale and D'Angelo. I mean, they don't know the camera's there. But, no, no. But um, he gets chewed out for it by um, his sister. Yeah. Um, and we should say first introduction of D'Angelo's mother. First appearance of Brianne Barksdale. Yeah. D'Angelo's mother, uh, Avon's sister. Such a great introduction as yeah. well. Like she's bringing him his lunch yeah, his at work. I love lunch. that. And Boda goes, who's that? Is that, you, is that your girlfriend? It's like, dude, that's my mum. <laughs> yeah. And the third storyline here. Oh, should we talk about the police like frantically trying to get to Wallace? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so part of that storyline is the police realising that, yeah, Wallace is in danger. They've seen, at this point, the female security guard who testified in the court yeah. right in the first episode who was paid off she's, she's killed and the police realise that something is definitely going down and this is part of the clean this is part of the cover up from the guys in the streets and uh, everyone's really worried about Wallace Daniels is worried about Wallace Manos is worried about Wallace although the only one who remembered him was Bunk who oh, really? kind of said it offhand. he said uh, what about that boy you brought in last week and then Daniel sort of slaps his forehead and like, oh shit, like they were supposed to bring him to a grand jury. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Kima got shot and everybody forgot. Um, so, you know, they, it was an oversight in a way. In Absolutely. a way, the, the blame is partly on them. 
going back to the I guess as a result of the of the wires going down, there's a bit there's a bit of spare capacity in the detail. So Prez is sent off to start chasing up some chasing the money, chasing the paper trail, and that spooks a lot of the politicians. They start thinking, hold on, what the fuck are they? What what are they doing? What are they searching for? Yeah. Um, and there's interesting scenes where the first scene is where I guess one of uh, Perlman's bosses says. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing, but here's all the checks that some random people gave me. <laughs> yeah, here's the money back. I don't care. I don't care that they existed. Nope, no, nothing to see here. Yeah, exactly. I just want you to know I'm washing my hands of anything you might think's <laughs> happening here because it's not happening, even though it happened, but it's not. And there's a great line later where she says to Daniels, uh, I think it was to Daniels, she's like, um, "You've really got them scared, you know. I've never actually seen um, a politician or a lawyer give money back." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this also leads to a fantastic. We've seen Clay Davis before, um, but, but I don't think we've heard him speak. We yet. haven't heard Maybe him speak. Maybe just we, on the telly. We've heard him laughing. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time you see the potential that Clay Davis has. Yeah. And I guess the first time I saw this episode, I. I had no idea who this character was going to be. Um, he's a big player, let's say. He is. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got some. He's, he's got some great lines already. You know, it was very interesting uh, when I got the call to go in. Um, I had auditioned for a few of the other characters on the wire. This is Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who is, of course, Clay Davies from The Wire. The one that I remember the most. Uh, was uh, D- uh, Daniels. Uh, no, wait a minute. Uh, I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, Lester Freeman. I had audition for Lester Freeman. I didn't get that part, but then I got another call that um, <clears throat> they were uh, looking to expand some things and do some things, and they had wanted me to come in and read for this uh, senator. At the time, nobody said it was like a corrupt senator or anything like that. It was just a senator. And I'll never forget walking into the room, and uh, I think it looked like there was about 30 guys in there. And uh, I walked in and and thought, okay, I'm one of 30 senators here, you know, with my senator look, and read for the part. And um, I got the call that I was the guy that they were looking for. And um, I I was able to join the cast uh, there towards the end of season one. This scene uh, with Clay Davis and Daniels and Burrell is yeah. standout for me. This is another, <laughs> one of the best scenes in the whole thing. Uh, so Daniels comes in. He's been brought in by Burrell. He's like, oh, meet Senator Clay Davis. He's wondering uh, why you're looking into all his dirty money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Clay Davis sort of starts off playing nice um, while sort of trying to politely shut Dan- Daniels down. But Daniels has grown a spine yeah very much so and he's not letting this go and he also won't admit that arresting um his driver was the wrong thing to do no, no. Uh, and i really really admire daniels in this scene he Absolutely. really stood up to him and then clay davis uh changes tact and just <laughs> basically says will you tell this motherfucker what to do <laughs> clay davis is one of the he's almost a caricature Absolutely. The way he talks. Um, <laughs> and he has a catchphrase, which is introduced later, but he doesn't say here. No, no, he doesn't. Uh, so I won't spoil it for anyone, but uh, his catchphrase is revealed in a later season. You know Senator Davis? No, sir. Lieutenant? Clay wanted to meet you, see if there was any help he could offer. Help? 
Your people are apparently uh, pulling finance reports and uh, checking up on some of the contributors. I wanted to reassure you on that front. <laughs> I'm not involved in drugs, Lieutenant. Good. And this business with the senator's driver? Mr. Price. Damien. Diddy. <clears throat> this, uh, this business with Mr. Price, this is a misunderstanding that is really of no concern to the police. We had $20,000 of cash on him, delivered out of a project tower by a known drug suspect. The money was banded and manicured by denomination. This is... <laughs> no crime here. Well, you know, I mean, playing the character, I always felt... And I, I, I can say this honestly. When I, when I play a character, I always believe that that character is right. I think that's the way it's gonna, it's going, it's gonna have to work. Uh, I'm not gonna get into a whole breakdown of, of the character here, but you have to believe that you've got to be able to justify everything that you're doing. So I always felt that what he was doing was right because I could justify it in my mind. I mean, I think that's probably what helped me uh, play the guy is that everything that I was doing was justified. Guys like that think they're doing good, but they want to get paid, you know. The other the other thing is that, um, especially when you look at the world today, I'm no more of a crook than, than you know, some of the major crooks, uh, uh, you know, you know, big business and things like that, where people, you know, steal lots of money, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, the stock market drops 10,000 points and you wonder where all the money went and, and derivatives and all of this. I mean, so, so, I mean, it's, I think I explain it in one of the last episodes that I do where I say, look, I'm small potatoes compared to the big picture and you've got to follow the money, but coming after me is easy. It's going after the big guys. That's what's going to be hard. This is an indication of what is yet to come. Um, love Clay Davis, love the scene. And it's great to see, I guess, the, the seed planted here for his, his, his ascendance yes. for, the rest of the, for the rest of the while. And we sort of understand where, he, you know, where his politics is rooted in. Yeah. yeah. But I thought, interestingly, this shows this sort of... Again, it's like, I think this whole series is about how every it's about all parts of a city are some sort of live together symbiotically mm. you know you've got the the um the street criminals are giving money to the politicians yep. who are paying the police who are hunting the street criminals so it's just <laughs> it's all just a big loop and every, it's just the same money going around and around and around and nothing ever changes Hi, my name's Liam H. Dempsey. My Twitter handle is at Liam H. Dempsey. And my favourite character from season one of The Wire is D'Angelo Barksdale, portrayed by Lawrence Gilliard Jr. I think he's the closest thing we get to an audience character on the show, possibly ever. And he really seems to be the conscience of the first season, even though he's only been in prison for eight months. You feel that he's emerged older and wiser, becoming a mentor to the younger gang members like Bodie, and beginning to question the life that he was born into until the murder of Wallace becomes the thing that he simply can't stomach to square away. 
And that was a voicemail left to us on our burner phone. That's right, guys. We have a burner phone, and if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so using the voice memo on WhatsApp, which means it's free from anywhere in the world. If you want the details for that, head to our Facebook or Twitter page. And just let us know your name, where you are, uh, your Twitter account, if you have one, and just leave us a short and sweet message. This week, we want to know what's your favourite scene from season one? What else is in this episode that they. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, Daniel's talking to to Burrell. Burrell's saying, "Yeah, you don't need you don't need all the man force there. Get rid of some cops." And Burrell thinks he's think he's, he's sticking them with the worst cops by saying, "You can have Prez, you can have Freeman." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want Santangelo and Sidney back. Uh, and Daniel just fold. gives him this, this this sly, small little smile. It's excellent. It's like, dude, I can't argue with you. If that's who you want, <laughs> if that's who you want. Lance Reddick is amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's over. Your wire's cold. Quarter has given me a total of 90 days on five phones. I'm doing the full 90. <laughs> you want to sit listening to a bunch of broke-ass payphones, have at it. <laughs> but you don't need all that manpower to do it. You want some bodies back, I'll send a couple, no problem. Now, hold on, Lieutenant. <laughs> I gave you those people. I decide who comes back. But feel free to speak your mind, if it were up to you. He asked you a question, Lieutenant. I have no opinion. Take your pick. What's the name of that old detective from Pawn Shop? And that young one, uh, Valtech's brain-dead son-in-law? Freeman. Prisbaluski. Keep him. Send back Sidnor and Santangelo. Part of this thing, it's part of this thing with the bug in the in Orlando's. Uh, it talks about D'Angelo going to get the drugs, and he gets caught. Um, and then they put him into an interview, and D'Angelo stands up because he's early on in the early on in the season. He's he's kind of coerced into writing a letter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, to yeah. to Gant's uh, supposed children, saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, your your dad's dead, uh, and they didn't exist." So D'Angelo's kind of wise to any kind of tricks that they they're, they're going to play, and immediately he's like saying, "I want a lawyer. I want a lawyer. I'm not going to say anything until I have got a lawyer." And as Nolte's walking out, he says, "Hey, by the way, Wallace is dead. See you later." <laughs> Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> but why? Yeah, but uh, D'Angelo doesn't believe him because, no. as you said, he's uh, he thinks they're playing tricks. On Absolutely. Him. Yeah. Um, Until he meets Stringerbell. Stringerbell later and on. Morris Levi later. Yeah. And he asks the immortal question: "Where the fuck is Wallace? Huh? String, string. Look at me." Look at me! Where the fuck is Wallace? Huh? I don't want this pay less way, motherfucker, representing me. I'm gonna get my own man, alright? So just get back in your car and get the fuck back down south. Alright, you stupid motherfucker. You made your decision. Yeah, I made my decision. Where's Wallace at? Where the fuck is Wallace? Where's Wallace, String? String! Where the fuck is Wallace? Wallace didn't even stay long enough to get a last name on the show. It's just it's just Wallace. But, you know, now wherever you go, wherever Michael B. Jordan goes, you know, he still gets it. Uh, the where's Wallace um, everywhere he goes. And he's been on, you know, Friday Night Lights. and He's been on he's become a, a legitimate movie star, but he's still linked to that show forever. I remember one night we were shooting a scene. It was a stakeout scene and it was me and Dominic West. Here's Lance Reddick, better known as Lieutenant Daniels, giving us his thoughts on Larry Gilliard Jr.'s performance as D'Angelo. 
and I said to Dominic, I don't know how it came up, but Larry's Larry's name came up, and I said, I'm mad at Larry. And Dominic says, why? I said, because he's better than me. And I was waiting for Dominic to say, oh, no, man, you're great. He goes, oh, well, Larry's better than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> at this point string is trying to make him play ball yeah um and d'angelo's like no no i'm not going to play ball um i need yeah i'm what's he what's he doing here at this point well he asked him he asked him earlier in the episode to let the boy be yeah, you yeah. Know, this was the one thing he asked um String, yes, yeah, string, string needs him to come on side. They, they acknowledge that they made a mistake. You know, Barksdale made a mistake mm-hmm. by as Brienne chews him out about by sending him off to New York by himself in a rental car. Absolutely, with the drugs. Um, but String and Morris need him to take the ears, basically, yeah. don't they? And just be do the right thing for the family. Um, I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about of that course. I noticed. Uh, firstly, there's a scene where Prez throws away an, a newspaper after he's eaten some food. Yeah. And Freeman spots it and picks it up and notices a, a story about retail, de- or it was a residential development yeah. or a housing housing story, which obviously links to the plot. But I, I couldn't pay attention to any of that because Prez had mixed uh, general household waste <laughs> with recyclable waste. <laughs> and... It was really, really bothering me because did recycling not exist back in 2002? I don't think it did. Not in America anyway. Unbelievable. America are uh, behind uh, on the environmental protection. So Just when Prez had sort of redeemed himself in my eyes, (laughs) he went and did that. Um, And there was another another line uh, where Freeman is demonstrating to to the guys how to sort of figure out the pacing when they're installing the, the bug and you know they, they do an old s- tie some string against uh, Chardine's, Chardine's legs, legs yeah. to, me- to measure her pace um, but he mentions it was an old army trick so we, we sort of figure out that Freeman did you know uh, Freeman served and he he described everyone else's draft dodging peace freaks <laughs> Um, but this just <laughs> how old is Freeman? Yes, yeah, so the last draft when must was, have been like Vietnam. Yeah, that? I would have thought so. <laughs> There's no way he was in Vietnam, right? Um, he would have to be like seventy. Well, we'd have to. Well, More? I don't know. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of the Vietnam War, but it wasn't. Was it was in the sixties? Well, so know. I guess he could have been. He could have been twenty, born in the forties. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's, he'd have to be late sixties. I don't, he's not don't that think old he's that old. No, no. Yeah, unless he was being sarcastic. But but maybe, yeah, maybe he's just had a military career and upbringing, and that's that's him. Yeah, but it feels like it's conflict. It seems to conflict with his character a little. I guess it's just an extra little dimension. I would never have pegged him as a military man. And lastly, of course, this they finally caught. Barksdale and, and String. Yeah. You know, they, they go in and they raid they raid the club and they take them in and McNulty has his victory, but it's bittersweet, isn't it? It's abs- <laughs> It's kind of a funny scene because, yeah, outside, all the SWAT team are there and it's really cool because Stringer Bell and, and Barksdale can see this stuff going on and they're just like, well, we're going to get caught, so <laughs> yeah. they discuss a few things. <laughs> they just let's, got their fed up on the table. Let's open up the safe so we don't destroy the safe. I like uh, that. No yeah. point in ruining a good save. Exactly. Then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Daniels and Manolta go in, and it's quite, a, it's quite a, just a, it's quite a silent scene actually. They just turn around, mm. 
Cubs go on um, Barksdale, and Stringer turns around, and and Manol just goes, "Well, I'll see you later." Um, Stringer's flabbergasted at this point why he's not being handcuffed at the same time. Yeah. But the only thing that was tying them, Stringer Bell, to anything really going on, was Wallace, was and, Wallace. and the murder. Yeah. And of course, Wallace is dead. Mm. So it's not it's, that's not gone anymore. I liked how the SWAT team were all positioned outside, ready to go. Yeah. And then Daniels and McNulty just knock on the door. They take the bouncer out and they just walk in. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting because if I'm in the police force and witness one of my friends getting shot in a previous episode, even though, you know, if you're in the police, you don't exist in episodes. Um, and you're there about to raid a place that you don't know the ins and outs of and the guys are going to raid it for you are uh, fully armoured up. Yeah, let them do it. Yeah, let, let, them, <laughs> yeah, let yeah. them raid it. But... <laughs> Minolti and Daniels just go, no, we'll do this. I don't. This doesn't feel right. I guess they want. They just want to bookend everything, don't they? Yeah. Like, which I kind of get. That would there would be that desire to to finish the job. But I would have worn a helmet at least. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's episode twelve. Cleaning up. Finished with. Um, join us next week where we'll be talking about season one, episode thirteen sentencing that's the last in the series yeah we made it we did it um and while you're waiting please head over to apple Podcasts or itunes and leave us a review it just helps us get noticed and also just helps our massive egos and thank you so much to everyone who's who's left us a review so far it's been really great and encouraging yeah. uh, to read them so thank you so much absolutely and please tell your friends about us um if you want to contact us definitely we get back we do hear and read everything you say um so get in contact with us on facebook or twitter at the wire stripped um or send us an email uh, our email address is burner at the thank you so much to all the voices that you heard in this episode for taking the time out to chat with us yep to tom our fantastic producer and editor for being awesome and, and as always, thank you to Izzy Lawrence, who created our lovely logo and all our graphics. Yeah, last but not least, to Sam and Martin from the Song by Song podcast for recording a version of Way Down in the Hole, which you guys can listen to right now. We'll see you next week for the finale. Yeah, the final episode. Oh, it's going to be so sad. Ooh. <laughs> Catch so you later, sad. guys. Bye. Bye.